1: Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. We have another fantastic conversation for all of you listeners to joy as I am joined by a dear friend of Crack Rackets and returning champion to this show, it's Baylor Men's Tennis Head Coach Michael Woodson joining us once again to break down his team's strong start to this 2024 season. Remember, this is a group that flirted with 500 for the majority of an injury-plagued 2023 campaign, a group that got knocked out in round one of the NCAA tournament for the first time in more than two decades. They have righted the ship to start 2020. 24, 12-1 overall start to the Bears season. I wanted to ask Coach Woodson why he thinks the Bears have gotten off to such a strong start this year. What's changed for this roster that, again, has a bunch of returners amongst it? Of course, they also had an injection of talent. Devin Badenhorst, Louis Bowden, Oscar Polson, Some real pieces to add to what was already a strong group returning to Waco. I just, again, I wanted to pick Coach Woodson's brain. Why or or how has it all managed to gel so quickly for the Bears here this season? We get into that and so much more. We also, of course, have the opportunity to preview his team's matchup against number one Ohio State, a matchup our Crack Rackets team will be covering Wednesday, February 28th on ESPN Plus. That matchup starting 7 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure you join us. It's going to be a fun one, folks. Again, fantastic tennis on the horizon. Baylor hosting number one Ohio. State, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Wednesday, February 28th on ESPN Plus to help preview that match and, again, discuss all things Baylor men's tennis. Let's get to it. My conversation with Baylor men's tennis head coach, Michael Woodson. The Amazing Joining us on the podcast once again today to help discuss his team's matchup against the number one team in the country, a match we will have for you tomorrow, 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Plus, is a man who is top five in appearances here on this Cracked Interviews podcast feed. Thus, I have to refer to him as a returning champion to this show. Of course, you also know him as the head coach of a team that reached the finals of both the NCAAs and National Indoors in 2021. 2021 and a team that this season is off to a 12-1 and start to their year. Welcome back to the show, Baylor Men's Tennis Head Coach Michael Woodson. Coach, welcome back. It's been more than three months since we've had you on the show, so it was about time. How are you doing today, my friend?
0: I'm doing great, Alex. Thanks for having me. I I feel like that's not true, but yeah, we'll, (laughs) we'll go back and look. I think it was probably like two months, but you know. Well, it feels too long. I'm glad. it's good to be back.
1: That's what I'm saying. It it feels too long was the message I'm trying to send and yes, it's good to have you back and Look, let's just get right into it. I said I would drop this stat on you. Your team last season obviously, you know, was different than in your previous 2 years on the job. 17 and 16 overall, you guys get eliminated in the first round of the NCAA tournament. You know, that had not only happened never to you during your tenure at Baylor, hadn't happened for the program since 2001, you know, when the f- team finished 12 and 12 and lost in the NCAA first round. That's more than 2 decades ago. You know, I was 5 years old. When the time of that season, you were probably six or seven years old. And by the way, a happy belated birthday to you. Talk to me about 12 and one, just the atmosphere, the vibes, what that sort of start does for the belief in this group.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you bringing up uh, last year. You know, it always (laughs) uh, feels, uh, you know, feels good to reflect on on. Tough times and and great times. And you know, we we do refer back to last year a lot. Um, not not just for the struggles that we had, but the lessons learned and, and kind of to to show the growth that we've had from a lot of our young guys from last year to this year. Um, and you know, the, what this team is doing now, I think in a lot of regards has to do with everything that happened last year and, and their commitment to, uh, making necessary change. Um, you know, I think we had begun to take the success for granted. Um, you know, some of those guys and the guys come in thinking it's just going to come easy because we're, we're at Baylor and we're a top five team every year. Um, and you, know, we know, you know, as well as, as anybody that there's, probably 40 teams, uh, out there these days that could be a top 10 program and the margins are so small and every team is so good, um, that, you know, it really takes, you know, it takes a ton of commitment and discipline and, uh, maturity and, uh, consistency to be able to reach those levels. And, uh, we were fortunate to be able to do that for a few years and, sounds like 20 years. Um, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's exciting to be back in, into that uh, type of mode. I mean, of course, we've been very fortunate to have a couple of a freshmen, uh, a transfer, a couple of guys that had to sit out last year, you know, all of those additions to the team have, have made a huge impact, but I think the growth and development of the returners uh, that played a, a big role in last year's team is probably the biggest difference um, and, and has us uh, feeling pretty good about ourselves. But you know we, know, we know we have to get a lot better if we're going to uh, do what we would like to do, which is compete for championships at the end of the season.
1: And I want to ask about your roster, the returners, the improvement you've seen already. But just to contrast the two starts, because last season, obviously, you guys were fortunate enough to host the, a kickoff weekend and your team actually advances to the national indoors. This year, obviously, you have to go on the road. Unfortunately, the first matchup with Arizona gets canceled, but obviously a really, you know, again, if Luke makes that overhead in the third set, I'm really bringing, we're playing the hits here early. Don't, don't yell at me. Don't I might get you to swear for the first time. That might be the accomplishment here today. But the point is if Luke makes that overhead, the match might still be going deep in a third set breaker somewhere. And I'm just curious because how you've seen the the groups respond to those two results. Last year, they make it, and obviously it felt like that was the highlight of the season versus this year, you know, you lose that tight match. You haven't lost since how do those two starts contrast?
0: Yeah, gosh. I mean, we, we, we very much went in different directions. Um, I think last year was tough given that we got bit by the injury bug uh, right after uh, we, we advanced to national indoors. And then we played, I think eight straight top 13, 12 matches uh, with a lineup that quite, wasn't quite ready for that, and then it it started to really break down our confidence. Um, no matter what we did, it, it just felt like it it was harder and harder and harder. Um, and this year, you know, we we really weren't sure where we were. You know, I think it's it was it's been interesting to watch our guys every match uh, because there was a lot of you know not anxiety going into the matches, not really sure where do we stack up. Uh, because some of these guys haven't experienced the success, you know. Uh, if you look at our roster, you'd say, "Oh, that's a pretty good team," uh, but you know, we what have they accomplished really? Um, not much. And so, you know, the the guys uh, were looked unsure of themselves going into matches, and then they started to have some success. I mean. I, I really felt like the Arizona State win was a huge win for us um you know to be able to take that down team down 4-3 after losing the doubles point in 10B especially with how strong their top 3 is um and that win has aged very well especially the wins that uh Z and Devin had at 2 and 3 um and then you know uh, to to lose to Arizona was was tough but I think we all thought gosh we kind of left that one on the table you know and this team is 5 years older than us at almost every spot and, uh, you know, so we, we know we need to get better, but we're right there. It's it's we're hungry now. We're hungrier. Um, and every match since then, we've looked like we're gaining confidence um, and starting to walk, walk around like it. Um, and I think they really understand as a team that that we can do special things, um, not just in the future, but but right now. Um, and, and that has been a, a welcome sight as a coach to, to really see and experience.
1: Yeah, you talk about that Arizona State match and dropping the doubles point there. Pretty sure that's the only doubles point your team has dropped so far this season.
0: We, we lost it to Arizona, maybe, too. I was going to say,
1: maybe the Arizona one as well. But outside of that, 26-6 and six in individual sets. And look, I mean, again, there are wins over SMU and Nebraska. And you mentioned the Arizona State win. You know, again, all these wins already. I'm curious— given you're working in some new pieces, given it's still a young team, you know, Luke is still a sophomore, Jean is still a sophomore. What do you attribute that double success to early?
0: Good question. Uh, you know, we, uh, we, we felt like we have a ton of really good pieces and doubles, um, you know, in the fall and, and, uh, we didn't have that much success in doubles to be honest in the fall as much as we would have liked. Um, and so we we've been pretty intentional about about putting a lot of time uh, into figuring out who the right pieces are and, and who goes with who and, and also just uh, improving the, the skill set of each individual guy. And I have to give a ton of credit to the guys. They've worked really hard on it and having the depth of doubles player that we have now, um, not just the six guys that are playing right now, but the other six guys. I think makes the quality of our training way better. They're challenged every time we go out there, we can mix it up and it doesn't get monotonous as far as matchups go. And, uh, that seems to benefit everybody. And, um, you know, our guys are playing with a ton of discipline out there. They're making good decisions. I, I wouldn't say we have played well every time, um, but we have stayed in matches because we've been able to hold serve consistently at, at almost every spot um, that has given us an opportunity to sneak something here or there, even when we don't feel our best. Uh, and I, that's that's on our guys being willing and able to make good decisions under pressure. Yeah, it feels like Teddy and Z. Probably a lock as a
1: pairing. Are you still going to play around with everything else? Do you feel like you have some good continuity in the pairings you have right now? Obviously, you know, I got the chance to call the SMU match and to see Chris in the fifth year with Oscar Polson. It's a lot of size. It's a lot of power at a three spot. Obviously, you've got other options. You've got a six foot seven serve. So that's probably going in somewhere. You still playing around with the pieces early or are you feeling like you're starting to find some
0: teams gelling? You know, it would be it would be hard for me to argue against the guys that are playing right now and just the yeah. chemistry that is there. Um, but I really like what I'm seeing from several of the other guys. And so, yeah. um, you know, it's it's a very long season. And fortunately, even though we've already played 13 matches, I think we have like I don't know 25 more or something crazy. <laughs> um, you know, so I, I'm I'm excited to see what these guys can do. And we're always evaluating. You know, what what how can we do it better? How can we coach better? How can they play? better you know is there are there good options like certainly believing in the guys that we've got but but continuing to to push forward and find ways to improve and we're going to get a lot of information here over the next you know three days uh, playing Ohio State and Illinois and and I think you know that will give us uh, some more feedback on how we can improve
1: I want to ask you about those matches quick tangent here though you mentioned the 25 more matches obviously you're not shy about scheduling doubleheaders, and I know this is something we may have talked about a little bit in the past obviously you've got a big roster um, but like I, I look at a day like Sunday that day at Baylor where you know Grand Canyon ends up pushing the women that goes 4-3 then you guys play SMU that's a three hour plus match that goes 4-2 then you've got Grand Canyon after that as well is that the intention like is that the part of the goal as well I'm just curious why so many double headers on the schedule
0: yeah I think you know for us uh, w- we have to do right by our players, um, you know, and and we have 12 guys right now and, and I think 12 guys that can play at a very high level uh, that are either new or have extensive experience playing for us. And we need to get those guys reps because you you never know. I mean, maybe tomorrow night we need to go, you know, three spots deeper, uh, you know, uh, than we would have normally. Or maybe it's on Friday or something comes next week. And, uh, you know, for us, we we recruit on development and we, we work really hard with our guys every day to help them improve on and off the court. But it's really hard to improve without consistent competition. Um, and, you know, we, we need to give those guys live reps. And uh, the only way to do that sometimes with our numbers is to to have two matches in one day um, and make sure to allocate opportunity for our guys. And so it's it's not a perfect system, and sometimes we have guys cheering maybe a little longer on the front end or the back end than we would like. But um, you know, I think it's really valuable and necessary for for all of our guys in the locker room. And, and I hope they would, I hope they appreciate it. They certainly do a great job with it.
1: How helpful is it being in Texas? I mean, again, Abilene Christian. It's it's or Abilene I think I always screw it up is on the schedule every year Grand Canyon's on the schedule every
0: year like do you know the schools you're always going to turn to for those double headers. We try to mix it up a little bit, Uh, maybe not as you know, we aren't as consistent probably as as like a Texas um, A&M, you know, with with how they do it. Uh, I'm usually pretty open to uh, coaches that reach out and say, hey, we're coming down here for spring break. We've got that with Cleveland State this year, for example, Mm -hmm. Omaha next year, Lehigh is coming down. It's We always catch a couple of teams like that that say, hey, coach, can we use your facility to train? Uh, Would love to play you guys. Maybe you can set up a couple extra matches. Like, man, I was at Valpo. Like if I had somebody that would have done that for us, it would have been amazing. So, um, you know, I just love, love the opportunity to, to bring teams down. And I think it's really good for us. Uh, to have that different competition and experience as well as, you know, to give a great experience to those other teams because, like you say, we're fortunate enough to be in the middle of Texas, great weather, great facilities, uh, happy to host. Um, And so we we try to mix it up a little bit, but then you've got, I mean, just – rock solid programs like Abilene Christian or Lamar that are just so well coached and love those coaches, the way their players compete. They play fair and hard and push us every time. And, and so I, I have all day uh, and, and all the time to be able to play those teams. And gosh, we even went to Abilene, which was one of the best trips I've ever been on. Um, so a lot of fun. And yeah, so it's it's not a perfect system. It changes every year, but, but we try to, to give our guys lots of opportunity to compete.
1: I'm bringing the Abilene coaches onto the show for the selection show because they'll know who the best are. They see all of you uh, in the state of Texas and all of it. And so, yeah, their perspective is actually maybe the most valued, uh, should be the most valued in the sport. I'll put you on the spot now because, again, looking at your roster, obviously 12-1, and 1, there's been a lot of success everywhere you have four returners uh, or excuse me. I mean, more than four, I right? It's hard to say just four because there's been so many shifts in and out of the lineup. You trying to get opportunities for everyone. Who's the most improved from last season to this season, the player that you've just seen the, the biggest jump from that perhaps you can attribute why you, this team has taken a step forward here to start this year.
0: I can't believe you're doing that to me. And you know, that these <laughs> listen to this, I, I'm going to start out by doing the cliche coach thing and say I really am impressed with how much uh, all of our guys have improved in the direction that they're all going. I think if you just objectively look at it, it would be really hard to say anybody has improved more than Luke. Um, you know, and, and just if you look at his not just his record, but also the way he's playing um, and his ability to focus uh, for long periods of time at, at a high level and use all of his tools. And I mean, the score lines really speak for themselves. Um, you know, it, it is incredibly valuable in college to to win fast, uh, and he has been able to do that a few times, uh, this season in crucial moments. Um, and I think that has, uh, has made a big difference for us and, in even feedback, like you said, the match against Arizona that didn't go as well. I feel like he used that in the right way. And, uh, we're just seeing tons of growth. Um, you know, I, I am really pleased with what the other guys are doing too. Um, but I think you go from being, you know, pretty competitive at six to, you know, playing, you know, five, four middle of the lineup and, and winning consistently, uh, you know, you've got to get the nod there.
1: Yeah, I, well, I it was fascinating because his match against SMU, when he was down love forty, that's when the servant volley came out, and that's when all of a sudden he had all this success. And it was just so funny to see him find that gear. And yeah, I think that's a great choice. Again, I think out anyone would have been a fair choice. I appreciate you sticking to one and keeping the integrity of the question. You know, I think the one fans might turn to more, obviously, would be sophomore Jean Borvelts, who goes from, you know, bottom half of the lineup uh, to start last season to now. He's pretty consistent in the top half, six and one, playing the one and two spots to start this year. And, you know, is certainly molding into a top 50 player in the country. It just speaks to more broadly, you talk about being a development program. And so often with sophomores, it goes one of two ways. They sink or swim. Like college tennis is either really for you or sometimes you learn it's kind of not and you're ready to pursue other interests. I mean, again, it's an opportunity to talk about your school, which I want to give you the chance to do. Why do you think this group of sophomores in particular seem to be fighting their stride here in year two?
0: I think it takes time to get really acclimated to what it looks like to play college tennis. I mean, we, you know, it's extreme to say, but it's almost a different sport. Uh, than, than professional tennis or junior tennis. And, you know, you're playing every day at a high level against really good players in practice, or you go into the matches and doesn't matter if you're playing Abilene Christian or Southern Cal. I mean, these guys are, are pretty good and they're fighting really hard uh, every single point. And, uh, you know, that's something that you have to learn. That's not something that they experience necessarily on the, the pro tour and the junior circuit uh, every single match, match in, match out. Uh, and you're you're playing for something bigger than yourself and uh, people are counting on you uh, more than just you if you if you don't feel good it doesn't it, that, that doesn't it matter you have to still find a way to produce for the team um, you know all these guys in this program the university are we're investing so much into these guys that it that that comes with a pressure too um, that you know takes time to really understand and appreciate and and come to grips with and uh, you know, I, I like to say we do a good job because we're patient with the development of those guys. You know, and we we try to establish a great relationship with them first and build trust between the staff and the players and in each individual. And and not to, again, be cliche, but, you know, making sure they know we care before they we really try to tell them, you know, how much we know about what we're doing and how much we can really help them, yeah. um, you know, as tennis players. And so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I. I'd like to say we have something to do with it, but I, I also just think, you know, we have great leadership, you know, at the top of, and our or older guys are doing a great job of, of working with the young guys, holding them accountable. Um, they've they have a huge responsibility uh, that they feel to make Baylor great um you know and and they've seen all these great programs and we've got alums that come back all the time Charlie Brooms right here you know now right outside this door and um uh, you know they saw what he did or what Jimmy Bendek did or Nick Cobyack and they want to be like those guys they want to honor those guys um and so it it just gives them that little bit of a boost to to keep working every day and to, you know, to play with great pride as, as a university. So I think those guys are just, you know, hitting their stride. They're working hard every day. And I mean, you talk about, you know, Jean-Borre, you talk about Luke, I mean, Martin and Armand are doing an amazing job too. And, you know, with their, they're kind of freshmen because they didn't get to play last year. Um, But they've been around the block for, for a year, over a year now. And, uh, you know, they're starting to experience that same thing. And I think are making a huge impact on this, team
1: yeah talk to me about your freshman this year obviously Devin Louie both having success right away and you know Devin I know takes his first loss against SMU on Sunday but him winning that second set it was a moment it just kind of allowed your team to breathe right because you know Zach and and Liam were having success for SMU at one in three and it felt like had they taken both of those matches in straights now all of a sudden it's anyone's ball game but Devin able to extend things. What have you seen from him that has allowed him to have success so quickly?
0: Gosh, I mean, he is, uh, yeah, he's a a special talent, um, no doubt about it. I mean, he's he's built unbelievably well for the game. Um, he moves, you know, he's six seven, but he moves like he's uh, six <laughs> two. You know, he's great feel. But his mind is is very strong. I mean, and not just that he carries himself with great confidence and believes, but he's also extremely coachable. Uh, you only have to tell him something once and he will do it. Uh, and, and he trusts, uh, very, that takes sometimes years, uh, to build, um, with guys and we, we trust him and he trusts us. And, and I think it's allowed him to excel much faster than your average January freshman. Uh, you know, I would put him up against any freshman in the country right now. uh, Um, especially January enrollees. I mean, it, it, what he's doing is amazing. And, and we've already had this conversation, so I don't mind saying it. And then him hearing it is he needed to lose on Sunday. And, you know, as a coach, you, sometimes you need those losses for, for true development, for real learning to, to, to happen. And uh, I think he got to a point where it was just, it's one thing to believe and feel great and every time, but you also can't take the process for granted. And over the last couple of weeks, I think it, it started for him. He started to get a little bit distracted. wasn't as, you know, wasn't as, as zoned in in practices as, as he needed to be. It wasn't bad, but you know, it, he just wasn't quite ready for a guy like Liam, you know, maybe just thought it was going to come a little bit easier. And, and we all know what a great player Liam and how we play. Um, and so, you know, the, really, uh, Excited to see him lock back in because what he's accomplishing at his age—I mean, this fast, it, yeah—it's unheard of. I would say.
1: Yeah, and again, I—I want to. We'll talk about Louis in a second. I'm curious. You talk about the talent, the size, all the things he can do because there is feel there. Look, you've got one of those in your coaching, on your coaching staff already in Izak and obviously fascinating and fantastic player himself in his own day, probably can still swing the racket pretty darn successfully. What are you guys locking in on with Devin as the next piece in his tennis game? What is the thing that unlocks, to your point, all that talent, all that potential that, you know, that allows him to have success as he continues through his career?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's a couple of things, you know, it's uh, as he get stronger and continues to develop, having a little bit more load on his serve. Um, and we like to talk about b- being a good pitcher. You know, in, indoors you can get away with just cranking the serve and and hitting a bunch of aces, but outside maybe that you know playing linear one pace doesn't doesn't work as well. Uh, you have to use your your slice, your kick serves. Um, you know, mix things up a little bit more, and then uh, you know just he has a really good transition game. But figuring out when to move up and back, um, you know, uh, more efficiently as well as spreading the court uh, are things that we're focused on with him, and um, you know, and then a lot of it has to do with having the discipline um, on and off the court to manage the body so that he can and the mind so he can go out and have a clear focused practice every single day uh, and that you know is something we push him on but we're also patient with him given that he's still getting used to the college environment and and having to balance academics which he's doing a great job um you know and and know that it, it takes time that we're in it here for the long haul
1: that was the most fascinating part is you could see him still trying to put all those pieces together that yeah of course there are free points on the serve there are times he hits the kick on the ad side and you're like yeah that's going to work against anyone doesn't really matter what surface you're on but no you're absolutely right like it, it is going to be fascinating to see him continue to put those pieces together and obviously again i know that's something you guys will be focused on on the other side i watched louis play I mean, that's a six singles, if you've ever seen a six singles player. Just, again, the fight, the scrap, the flicks of the forehand. I mean, him versus Hadigian was particularly fun because he was 12 feet behind the baseline while Hadigian was just slugging away on forehand. And it's like, ah, it's, it's just good to be back uh, in the <laughs> season with a match like that. By the way, they almost delivered you, you know, Cole on the birthday thing thankfully the guys pull through there. Otherwise, you know, again, I, what was I going to do on my broadcast? Um, but talk to me about Louie, what you've seen from him at that six spot.
0: No, I've, I've been very impressed with him. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's just a totally different type of tennis than he's used to playing. Um, uh, yeah. you know, being indoors a lot at home in England, guys play fast up on the baseline. Uh, you know, I, I, for some reason people are uh, telling their players to play slow and high to him, Uh, you know, and, uh, and so he's getting just a, a great lesson every single match on how do you deal with that and stepping up and being able to, you know, uh, create your own pace and move forward. And and the coolest part is uh, that he's, he's adapting every single match. He's getting more and more comfortable in those situations. And, you know, the other day was the first time, I mean, he was right there at the end against Arizona, but I don't think he really knew it because we were in the corner this time against SMU. He knew that was it. It was him and Oscar and he needed to deliver. And that's hard for a freshman. Um, And so every time he comes out, I see him get better and I see him handle, you know, pressure better. And he feels more confident in himself and his game. And, um, you know, he, he, he likes to play high level players and, uh, he loves to, uh, to battle. And I think for him, it's just a continuing to trust himself to attack and finish. And, um, you know, he's gaining more and more confidence in that every match. So I've uh, been really pleased with him. I think he, you know, he wants to, to do it at the highest level. And, um, you know, sometimes he doesn't have enough patience with himself, I would say, but, uh, he's just a heck of a competitor and, and makes us all better, uh, every day when we compete. Very quick. Very quick
1: as well. Like, yeah, again, was just uh, you're absolutely right. The word competitor is exactly the one to describe his game. And I'm curious because you know we've talked about a bunch of different pieces, but you've got a lot of depth on your team this season. And I'm curious as you look at your lineup, what are your biggest questions right now? Looking at it, what are the things that keep you up at night? Is it? You know, again, I, I I guess the framing would be there's really the two questions is who should be number one right now, because there is some parity up at the top as well. On the same side, who should be five? Who should be six? You got a lot of options uh, right now in your lineup. I'm curious which one keeps you up more.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Gosh, I mean, I you know, I, I think the, the thing that I tend to worry about a lot is um, is, is just, are our guys getting better every day? Um, you know, are we serving each of our 12 guys at the level that we need to, that we promise them, um, you know, because there's a responsibility from them when they come here and, and sign on to be a part of our program, but there's also a responsibility from us. And, um, you know, the hardest part about, uh, you know, being in my role is every time I list the lineup, half the guys are mad at me. Um, you know, and it, it is what it is. And it's a responsibility that, I have chosen to take on, um, but, but also get it from their perspective As you know, coach, I, I want to be a pro coach. I need to, I need to play, um, you know, and, and trying to make sure that I'm honest with them about what they need to do to be able to have those opportunities, but also keep them ready. Um, because, you know, on any given night, we're going to need all of these guys. And so, um, you know, we need to keep them, uh, advancing and and developing getting better every single every single day and um you know so i think that i I tend to look through the lineup and and uh you know from one to 12 and and really think about them all and and try not to um you know as much as i can i i probably think less about the top than i do about the bottom um and i wouldn't even say six seven it's more like you know 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, um, and make sure those guys are, are getting what they need, um, you know, and, and let maybe let Izak and Gray worry about the other guys. Fair
1: enough. No, I, I, I appreciate the, the honest answer. You've been around some really good teams, obviously, national championship caliber team in your first season on the job as head coach. What's the thing this team needs to do or continue
0: to do to get to that level? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll, I'll give you a, a brutally honest answer that I've been thinking about this. Um, the, I think the thing that makes this team really special is that we're strong at all nine positions. Um, you can't point at any spot in our lineup and say that is a weak spot. Um, and that is really a, a, something we didn't have last year. And uh, something that is a mark of a team that you have to have that if you're a top 10 team. Um, it's, you know, it, it is mandatory, uh, which I think we're capable of that. I know we're moving in that direction. I, I think we're going to figure out what we're really made of here over the next month. when I think we play the top, the number one team like four times or something. Uh, the top, top three teams four times. Um, but the thing that I have yet to see that I saw, you know, two years ago and three years ago when we were, you know, top three, top two um, was we had spots that were locks. We probably had three spots on both teams where we knew nine out of 10 times those guys are going to win in straight sets. Um, and it wasn't always the same positions, you know, over those few years. But to me, that's a mark of a great team. And and my guess is you can look at a couple of teams this year right now that you would say, they have two or three positions where, you know, you, you can count on those points nine out of 10 times unless something weird happens. Um, and I think that that's what we're searching for right now is, is where are those guys and, uh, you know, are they going to show themselves? I think if you watch what Luke's been doing over the last few weeks, it might be him. Um, you know, and uh, which which other spots are going to turn into locks. And those give the team a ton of confidence where you can truly look to your right and look to your left and say, hey, I can just go out and battle because they've got me.
1: Yeah, no, I, it'll be fascinating to see it develop uh, amongst this team over the course of this season. And, you know, I'm curious, you brought up two or three teams that you're alluding to that might have those locks right, right away. I'm curious, we're now... two two months in, dare I say, a third through the season, not the specific teams in general, but more broadly, the outlook at this 2024 landscape. Man, much like we anticipated in the preseason, feels like there's a lot of parity four, five through 30, 35 in the rankings right now. I'm curious
0: if you feel that way and what your
1: observations have been through the first third.
0: To, totally agree. I mean, there I felt like there were probably four teams that were the best four going into the year. But the combination of talent and experience, you know, separate them slightly, not that they can't be beaten, but that they're slightly ahead of the rest. And I felt like, man, we could be five, you know, or we could be 25, you know, depending on how mature and experienced we are, um, you know, and because there are so many other great teams like that and, and we've seen – probably that number go all the way down to 40. Um, Just, I mean, gosh, we played Nebraska and they're so well coached and they compete so hard and they're good at every spot too. Um, You know, we saw the same thing out of a, a team like Tulsa or SMU. I mean, 60 in the country is absolutely not the case for that team. <laughs> um, You know, and, and you're seeing their results with other teams like, man, on any given day, anybody can beat anybody, uh, especially with, with just the depth of college tennis. And so, uh yeah, I mean, I, I think it's even deeper than we talked about at the beginning of the year. And, um, you know, we've had that experience. We, when we played Arizona, I felt like we were right there. And we had just as hard of a time to beat SMU, um, just as hard of a time to beat, you know, a Tulsa or Nebraska here at home. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think anybody can finish anywhere at this point. And I'm excited to, to measure ourselves against teams like Ohio State, Illinois, Wake Forest, TCU here over the next couple of weeks.
1: Yeah. And coming up, obviously, tomorrow or Wednesday, February 28th, depending on, I suppose, when listeners are hearing this, it'll be out here on Tuesday. You guys host the top team in the country, Ohio State. It's been a little bit since Baylor's hosted a top team in the country, but obviously you've had success doing so in the past as a program. What are your thoughts on this matchup? What's it going to take from your guys to get over this hump and knock off the Buckeyes?
0: Well, first of all, we're really excited. Um, you know, I think it's it's great to be able to play them um, and measure ourselves against the national indoor champions. Um, And, you know, to to get them probably after that, you know, maybe a slight lull would be nice if Ty would (laughs) would have it uh, for us um, would be great, too. But, you know, we just need we need that feedback as a team. I think we're ready. You know, we've we've challenged ourselves against some some of the best teams in the country, but not the best team, uh, which I think we can all agree at at this current moment. They are and and to to be able to put on this kind of a show for our fans is is truly exciting. Um, So. Really looking forward to it. I think it's going to take our best tennis and we're going to have to have a great day. And, and uh, you know, but I know that our talent level is there uh, to be able to compete with them. I know our confidence is there. And then, I mean, to be able to play at home in front of the crowds that we get um, is never easy to play against um, if you're a road team. So we're we're certainly excited for the opportunity.
1: No, I know a team, again, multiple teams have players who have told me that their experience down in Waco playing against those fans, some of their favorite experiences as they look back on their college careers. And look, again, I mentioned it's been a while since you guys have hosted a number one team in the country, also coming around on the horizon for the first time since 2015. You guys will host NCAA's individual, obviously, coming up in November. Then you've got the team event next May. I don't think we've spoken since the announcement, at least on the podcast, that, you know, ESPN and their platforms will be covering NCAA events. And I'm curious, you know, what that means to you, knowing you guys will be hosting that event and what that component adds. Obviously, in terms of shining a spotlight on the sport, I'm curious what it adds logistically. Is there another wrinkle you guys, uh, you know, another I'm sure there are some steps you got to go through.
0: For sure. I mean, we have lots that we would like to do and are planning to do here to the facilities, um, to prepare for NCAAs. I mean, we have to put our cameras on the back. We have to adjust, fix the lighting. We have to do some, uh, s- some landscaping, um, you know, get the courts resurfaced and, and ready to go, put a fresh coat of paint on some things. We're going to do some renovations inside the herd. Um, you know, and so we're, we're doing a lot of stuff. I think it's, um, It's stressful, you know, as a coach, uh, especially doing something first, I feel a real responsibility to deliver uh, a great fall individual championship um, because I think it's going to how it goes here is going to set the tone of, you know, really what's it going to be like in the future. Um, and so we really want to do a great job with that. Um, it, it's also a great opportunity to showcase who we are here at Baylor, not just as a tennis program, but as an athletic department and a university uh, to show off truly how special Waco is. Um, I, you know, I know in the past it's gotten a bad rap, but it's grown so much. It's a beautiful place. We, we couldn't be you know, happier to be here. Um, and have the opportunity to to live and and work in, in this type of environment, and I and I want to give that experience to everybody that visits us here over the next year because we're gonna have a lot of people making a lot of stops here. So uh, certainly excited about it, um, but feel the responsibility and and the stress for sure. But but mostly just excited.
1: Well, on that note, then one final thing for you before I let you go. And again, Wednesday, seven p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Plus, Baylor takes on Ohio State. At that NCAA individual tournament, we will have a lot of the best players in the country, all in one location, all, dare I say, trapped together in that location. Not in the sense of trapped in Waco, in the sense of they don't have other events. This is the event they're focused on all week long. My pitch for you, because I can fortunately say I will be down there for the event – can we do a player combine? Like maybe the Saturday, Sunday before. And this is where you're wearing two hats, right? You're an organizer that sounds fun, but you're also a coach. And I know there's going to be some pushback from coaches on, I don't want my players to potentially hurt themselves before a tournament. Here's my pitch though. You know, again, it's like, we got to do some sort of three-cone sprint or some something related to that on the court. Definitely, we're hitting targets on serve. We're definitely hitting targets with forehand, backhand. I think we should do a thing between te- teammates. What two teammates can do 50 or 100 balls consecutively down the center of the court in the quickest amount of time? Because, again, that's speed. That's accuracy. That's, you know, again, precision, all these different things. I also think we should do a coaching combine. Not that I want to see you guys moving because that's going to hurt everyone and and our feelings. But some of you guys can put the ball on a dime feeding wise. And I just want to see you all flex your muscles. Like, you know, again, who's feeding the ball here? Who's hitting this target first? There are some coaching related combine things we can do. All I'm saying is, can can I put it on your horizon for individuals?
0: I mean, I feel like it would be weird to say no at this point. (laughs) You sold hard, so... Uh, Yeah, I mean, we can we can look at it. I think you're going to get a lot of pushback on probably both, Um, you know, putting the players out there and also the coaches having to perform under pressure, uh, you know and different things, the quirks that we all have uh, probably feels tough. But uh, I, I mean, I think doing something where we have a player zone and and find different exciting ways to to build, um, you know, build the brand of college tennis and tell the story of these amazing student athletes, I'm, I'm all for it. So uh, let's let's get together and brainstorm and get ready for November.
1: I like it. If I can't convince a coach 50 ball center is not going to harm your player, they're like, no, it's too fast. I'm like, no, it's 50 ball center. Like you should hope. They can do this drill quickly, given the event they're about to play in. And so, again, you, these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I would be surprised. Well, with all that said, again, Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, Baylor versus Ohio State. It's always special when these two programs share a court. It is always, of course, special when we have you on the podcast joining us. So head coach Michael Woodson, appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. Appreciate you allowing us to shine a spotlight on that matchup as well. Looking forward to watching the Bears compete.
0: We're excited to have you guys calling it. Thanks thanks for everything you do for college tennis.
1: Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Baylor men's tennis head coach, Michael Woodson. Obviously very much looking forward to calling his team's battle against number one Ohio State. You can watch that matchup on Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Plus. Again, Wednesday, February 28th, 7 p.m. Eastern time, Baylor hosting number one Ohio State on ESPN Plus. Look. The Buckeyes are a juggernaut. They're undefeated. They're national indoor champions. They've struggled in doubles to start this season. At one point, they had lost four of five doubles points or four doubles points in a five-match streak. You go down 1-0 on the road, life can be tough for any team, even a juggernaut like the Buckeyes. And look, as we discussed with Coach Woodson, Baylor's got real depth. Obviously, Ohio State's got real depth they've got the best depth they were all tournament team at the national indoors at the three through six positions because they were undefeated tracy at three anthrop at four cash at five bernard at six outdoors the configuration of those four might look a little bit different they're still all going to be expected to be equally successful as they were indoors as well Cannon kingsley justin Boulé are trusted top 25 players in the college tennis ranks you know Baylor and coach Woodson talked about the depth the Buckeyes are number one for reason they have that depth on steroids exclamation point I don't mean literally obviously I mean in the figurative sense this team it's supernatural again how talented they are and the success they have already had a testament to that fact Baylor's really talented as well again whomever it is at one and two pair like belts in whatever order they're going to give Kingsley and Boulay a run if it's Paralek versus Kingsley, Boulet versus Velt. I actually think you like those matchups better, Baylor. Lefty versus lefty, both big hitters, two guys who can find just about every angle and often play to the level of their opponents in both the best sense possible and sometimes not the best sense in Kingsley uh, and Teddy Paralek, Those are really fun matchups. Baden Horst three, the six foot seven big server. If he's playing Tracy, I mean, welcome to college tennis when you face a competitor like Tracy, Devin Badenhorst, but that's really fun. The grinding nature, again, the contrast, Koenig versus Cash at five, Bernie, if it's Bowden at six, and then again, not to Oscar Polson with how well he rushes you, he can make anyone uncomfortable. If he's facing Anthrop, obviously Anthrop, his power will just take away that net from you, but Baylor's really good. This is a talented team. They can push the Buckeyes everywhere. You don't hate any individual matchup, no matter what the Buckeyes lineup shakes out to be, unless it is, you know, Cash versus Bowden at six. That's a tough matchup for the freshman. That one, maybe you lean heavy Cash probably always lean heavy Alex Bernard if he's playing lower than three in your lineup outdoors, but that's because they're number one in the country for a reason. I sincerely think if you're a Baylor Bear fan listening to the end of this podcast, make sure you are there in Waco because the Bears have the talent at home. Buckeyes haven't played nearly as much outdoor tennis as a team from Texas will have to this point of the season. It's going to be a fun match, and you get to see the number one team in the country, and just as a tennis fan, It's a pleasure always to watch the Buckeyes compete in person. So if you're in the area, make sure you go check it out. If you're not in the area but you'd like to tune in, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Wednesday, February 28th on ESPN Plus. Baylor hosting number one Ohio State. With that said, a shout-out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the f*** of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible. A shout-out as well uh, to all of you fans who tune in day in, day out make it possible for us to have opportunities like broadcasting Wednesday's match. With all of that said, for our fantastic guest, Baylor men's tennis head coach, Michael Woodson, our super producer, Daniel Westhoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Goreskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone.